I'm on my way to meet with Kelby Deerman this morning. It's uh, 741 on January 19th, 2015. I listened to a fantastic Charles Stanley message this morning um, about sin and about, again, he made the difference. I'm so thankful that he distinguished between true believers and those who have simply believed about Jesus, those who have believed on him, in him, versus those who believe about him. I uh, was walking out and I picked up Chip Ingram's God the Way He Wants You to See Him program. I thought, I need to give this back to Tom. And I said, no, I need to watch it. And then I looked at the subjects and I realized they're the same old subjects you've heard about God's wisdom, about God's mercy, about God's justice. And it's the same old attributes that, you know, Tozer talks about and everybody talks about. And it just like it hit me, I sometimes have a tendency to think, why am I doing what I'm doing? Who needs another voice, somebody speaking the same old message, what can I say that hasn't already been said that's better? And and one of the things I realized is, just this morning, it's like, how many times have I needed to hear a certain truth from different places before I finally started going, hey, maybe this is something I need to really pay attention to. This is something I heard from this guy, that I read it in this book, and I saw it in the Bible, and I heard it in church. And I think that that really helped me to know that I've always thought, you know, I need to have a different message. I need to have something unique. I can't just say what's already been said. And I think to myself, no, that's just pride. That's pride wanting to be, you know, something I'm not or wanting to be known like original. And the word of God didn't originate with any man. And so if you stick to preaching the word of God, nobody can ever say, hey, you're using my stuff or I've heard that before. You're not original or, you know. I'm kind of getting off base, but this is a re- this is a reality I think for a lot of people. And I I thought about this in the past, and now I feel like maybe God's changing my mind and allowing me to realize that it's okay for me to preach the same truth. It's a good thing for me to preach the same truth because the truth is the truth, and it needs to be repeated. It needs to be heard from several different people, several different ways, and it needs to be that there's people that. Charles Stanley is not going to meet reach that I will and vice versa and Chip Ingram and vice versa so anyhow just a quick thought I wanted to capture so yesterday was the day where I pretty much finished the 93 teachings I was able to go through all of the weekly memory charts um, today is the 19th of January by the way and I was able to go through all the weekly charts and get pretty much 98% of them I had to look on just a couple of them because the first couple of um words on the right hand side were pretty vague but I pretty much I'm like within the 95 to 98 percent of being buttoned up finished word for word memorized the top 93 teachings of Christ it's it's unbelievable I I've cried I can't believe I was able to do this and so um anyhow I have been seeing this new number 422 I think I saw it yesterday and Seems like I've seen it a couple of times here and there, just been noticing it, and then I saw it yesterday, and it's funny because I was thinking, Lord, I haven't seen a new number in a while. I wonder if, you know, God is going to um, show me a new number sometime soon. Well, this number popped up three times today, 422, and I'm like, I knew I was supposed to look it up. And um, I started looking it up when a friend of mine, uh, Jennifer Starachi, was coming over to meet me at... Starbucks, and she got there, and I didn't have a chance to finish looking it up. So when she left, I uh, went to the parking lot and started going through all the scriptures. And the only one that even made sense was like, oh my goodness, Deuteronomy 4.22. It's the words of Moses saying, I will die in this land. I will not cross the Jordan, semicolon, but you are about to cross over and take possession of that good land. Be careful not to forget the covenant of the Lord your God that he made with you. And I think to myself, my goodness, is that not exactly the same word of Deuteronomy 801? I mean, look at this, when God shows me the 801 all these times, 
Be very, be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your father. Same thing with Jeremiah 22 slash 23. You know, obey all that I am commanding you today that it may go well with you. I feel like the the Lord is just telling me that this is, uh, it's possible. He's telling me that I'm getting ready to enter into the promised land. It's funny that, you know, the magazine thing has popped up. This past week was a great week for me. I got the video usage from video, a vision video, the Torch Ladder series, permission to use their material in my teaching videos. Um, had an amazing call with the kids, sent them their first big, long, weekly five-page letter, and then um, get invited to write and share my story and teachings in the magazine, Shattered Magazine, as a columnist on an ongoing basis. Uh, you know, I received last night some amazing testimonies from the people in Florida from the first group they're going through, and so uh, the first group that's going through, and so I um, had two more book sales today, and so... I feel like God is telling me that I am about to enter the promised land. And you know what's so cool is that I don't have that anxiety, that good anxiety, like I've had in the past. Like it feels much more relaxed. I think God's been telling me for a long time. I think I've made it clear to my parents. I've told them multiple times. I believe God has said to me that as soon as I finish this work, that everything is going to happen, that God was showing me that everything was being held up by me not doing these teachings. And so I have worked and worked and worked, and I haven't done 10 hours a day at it, but I have been every day consistently plugging them away, getting them in there with God's help. And it would make sense to me why God has asked me to back burner the videos, because He wanted me to finish this, finish this, finish this, finish this. So I believe that the Lord is telling me that uh, uh, things are getting ready to happen for me. These promises that he's been telling me that I will declare before the assembly that not one of his promises failed. That means Laura, that means the children, and that means fruit and resources in the ministry. It means book sales. I believe God's going to bless me with some great book sales. I believe God is going to do... Those are the three main things that I've asked for is Laura, the children, and the um, fruit in the ministry. And so, man, I am really hopeful that this is the word God's given me. But I feel a sense of calm that I've never felt before as it relates to being told such a profound promise. The other thing that was interesting is I saw 777 two times today and I saw 555 two times today. And I'm like, wow, Lord. 777, 555, those are both the awesome deliverance verses. So, you know, there's a calm in me. There's a, a contentment. I thought, man, God has made me so content. You know, I'm not fretting, you know, Laura and all these things. I've just been focused on doing what he's asking me to do. And I just have this new stride with God's help. And it just feels good that I'm getting ready to enter into the promised land. I really believe the promised land is just around the corner. Amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing. To God be the glory. I shared the 422 thinking um, that the Lord is telling me that I'm about to enter the promised land with my friend Jennifer Sirachi tonight. I promised that I asked her to promise me that she wouldn't tell anybody. And she shared these things with her, and then she wrote to me, she says, When I think of what you shared, these verses come to mind right away. Ephesians 3, 20-21 Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. And I was like, wow, that's familiar. I just read that two days ago. I backed up two days in my reading on Waiting on God. And here it is. Of course, this is what usually happens when we try to use human logic to discern the divine plan. Whatever Abraham could imagine was far less wonderful than what the Father had actually arranged. Remember, God himself tells us, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. 
He also promises that he is, quote, able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, Ephesians 3.20. In other words, we cannot possibly conceive of how the Lord is working out everything for us, and we only will frustrate ourselves if we try. And I had written in the margin, I have repented several times for trying to figure out the Laura thing, because I've always tried to think about how it's going to happen, when it's going to happen, what are the circumstances going to be, and and I've just given up on that. And I, I felt like I was trying to unwrap a Christmas gift and peek before it's been given. And that steals the the glory of the gift giver. So, I don't know. I thought that was really cool because it hit me. You know, God can do this in a way that I've never even thought of. So quit thinking about ways. Just trust Him. It's just a good word. Good word. It's 5.31 in the morning on January 20th, 2015. I don't need to uh, record this to know what it says is true. I just thought it was very interesting. Uh, it's a the hide of a rhinoceros is the name of the title. Greg Laurie, January 20th, 2015, the scripture. The former preached Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains, Philippians 1.17. This has to do with when my parents criticized me standing against the Catholic Church. Uh, a few days ago I've made recordings that the devil used them to disrupt me and to uh, discourage me. It is one thing to be criticized by non-believers. I expect that. But what is troublesome to me are those times when fellow believers are the critics. Now, I think there's a place for critiquing one another. If I have said something that is theologically incorrect or have done something that isn't right and someone brings it to my attention then I certainly want to change. I think we can learn a lot by listening to our critics. But criticism from other Christians isn't unique to our time. It also happened in the early church. Paul wrote to the believers in Philippi, Some indeed preached Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preached Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains. Philippians 1, 15-16. Paul's critics were suggesting that he must be out of God's will by being incarcerated. But Paul knew it was where he needed to be. And I thought to myself, oh, how I know that feeling from having been disgraced for so long. Here's what I have learned. When you are doing the work of God, you are going to come under attack. Those attacks will come from the outside, but sometimes they will even come from the inside. Believers, as well as non-believers, can be used by the devil. So what do I do? I take the advice of a great British preacher I heard years ago. He said, Every leader has to have the mind of a scholar, the heart of a child, and the hide of a rhinoceros. So I just press forward with what I believe God has called me to do. Instead of discouraging me and slowing me down, the criticism and opposition remind me that I'm on the right track. These things can be a confirmation that we are doing the work of God. Man, that's funny how... I had just made those recordings in the last week and a half ago that I realized, you know, that when I walk into the lion's den like I did that night in my parents' house and they were so negative. I mean, you could just see it on their faces. They wouldn't even hardly look at me in the eyes. They were so upset with what I had written about the Catholic Church. And my mom making the comment, you know, I just can't handle your cynicism and your negativity. It's just negativity, negativity, and I'm glad it's you and not me. I'm glad it's you and not me. And, you know, I just, I walked away because the Bible says when persecuted in one place, flee to another, Matthew 10, 23. So, um, then they had sent me the message saying, you know, we saw that you were offended. And I thought, well, you don't realize it. You were offended. But I didn't reply back. I just kept my ground and no sense in firing off missiles, and my mom has slowly been trying to, my mom doesn't come out right and just apologize and say, you know what, I think I was wrong in that, or you know what, I shouldn't have said that, or you know what, I was wrong, whatever. My mom's way of apologizing is she just tries to change the subject and move on like it never happened. That is uh, still a spiritual immaturity on her part, but I understand, and I don't need her to apologize to me, but it does, um, it has had the lasting effect of takes me a while to trust talking to them about God stuff again. So I just kind of am back and being my uh, quiet, kind of somewhat distant self. I go over to eat dinner and we talk about, 
you know, non-God things. It's amazing how this has happened so many times where you can see how the devil works. The door gets open for them to hear more and more truth, and then he will do something to offend them to then try to antagonize me to shut down and to separate and ultimately divide us so that I'm not pouring the truth into them anymore. And I know there's a time for I'm not the Holy Spirit in their life. There's a time for me to be a person who can answer a question, and there's a time for them to get it from the Word on their own, and that's primarily where they should be getting it. But my mom the other night, I went over to her house, and I'd felt pretty down a little bit because of this that movie I'd watched, Fort Bliss, which, ugh, it was really a downer. But um, anyhow, I walked over and um, in the house, in the kitchen, she's like, are you all right? And I'm like, yeah, I'm just a little down from what I just watched. And she had, I think she had given me a hug. But I thought she, the other part she doesn't realize is, is that, you know, just three days earlier, I was basically attacked the second I walked in the house and told that I'm a cynic and negative and, uh, you know, that all that. I mean, it was just re- unbelievable. I It was really amazing that I just walked in the house and normally everything was great and wonderful and it was just this boom. And so, you know, do you then just turn around and go back to their house and everything's happy, happy, joy, joy and all that? No, you don't. You're on your guard. You, The Bible talks about be on your guard. Stay alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking who he may devour. And, you know, it's those times when he shows up unexpectedly like that. You know, you walk in thinking one thing's going to happen and something else happens and he catches you off guard. I was blessed actually in how I responded because I knew I just needed to be like, okay, all right, I'll, I'll get my stuff and get out of here. They thought I was offended. I was offended at them being offended by the truth. Anything that stands to be uh, neglected of my father's word or anything that seems to be false teaching or stands against the truth or the father, that, that deeply offends me, and it should all Christians. And the more mature you get, the more the Holy Spirit you have in you, the more you will be offended at when... Things stand against the truth of God. The more there will be times when you will want to flip over change tables or you will want to confront Peter to his face or you will need to rebuke others sharply. And um, especially if that's your primary gift, teaching, which is what mine is. So I'm to correct, rebuke, teach. Those are part of the, the role of serving in my gifting. So anyhow, I just thought it was a confirmation message this morning here. I think God just spoke a very fresh, specific answer to me in answer to a prayer that is just, it's so unbelievable. Uh, You know, I hate saying things are unbelievable. That's just me being enthusiastic and dramatic. I'm always astonished at the power of God at his providence, uh, it is, it is it's, it's surreal. I mean, there's, I never want to get used to the power of God. I, I am not surprised by it, but I am always leveled by it. And I have been praying since yesterday on the trail. This is powerful, man. This is powerful. A friend of mine named Jennifer Storacci has told me, about a friend of hers who I met one time from Nashville and I had a really good vibe about this guy the first night that I met him, a really strong good vibe and I I discern people pretty quickly and I discerned that this was a guy who was really pressing in to know the Lord and who already was making great progress in his walk with the Lord. Well, my friend Jennifer has been a really good friend of his. They dated for a while and he has had a just a mega torrential downhill slide in his life from divorce, betrayal, two years unemployed, um, not able to get plugged into a church, not able to find anywhere to plug in his talents at a church for plan. I mean, everything this guy has tried to do, the doors have been closed. So I've been trying to counsel with my friend Jennifer. She's got a gift of mercy and in excess, all of our gifts can become a weakness. Mine being exhortation. If I become too heavy handed with somebody, it becomes a weakness. So I've been trying to counsel with her, and she's just really just been so persistent in her 
heartfelt need that this guy's got to be helped somehow. Like, she's got to do this. I don't know how. And so I kept kind of just letting her know, look, God is in control. Don't panic. Don't push the eject button. He, she was afraid he was going to commit suicide and all that. And so I've been trying to counsel with her on it. Well, I went yesterday to the mountain and I prayed about this guy, Stephen. And I have been living now for, oh, I guess November 8th, I think is when I moved in here. So I'm in this house now, two and a half months. It was a house that my parents bought with the goal of helping people just like me and just like Stephen. Well, they put it all together and for four months God told me, no, you cannot move in there. And so I ended up being homeless for four months and I obeyed God. And no matter what God tells me, he knows I'll do it. So I lived in my friend's office downtown for four months, four months to the day of my parents, you know, forcing me out. July 8th of 2014, November 8th rolled around. If I'm doing my math right, July, August, September, October, November, four months to the day. November 8th, three days earlier, God had given me this peace when I walked in this house. I had never had peace. We came here to do a Bible study. I had never had peace when I walked to this house. I wanted to avoid being in this house. I didn't want to set my heart in this house. I was just very standoffish. My parents would want me to come over here and hang out. I'm like, sorry, can't do it. So this house sat for four months with my parents coming over here to watch TV every once in a while and let the dog run around. And it was their project. But I was not to move in this house. So four months to the day, God gives me permission. This peace just comes over me. He gives me permission to move into the house. And I was so blessed. I was so thankful. It started feeling like home within the first three or four days. It was just wonderful, and I blessed God for it. My parents were happy, all that. But I've never felt good about having a roommate. It's like I have just never had that desire. In fact, I felt very, don't go looking for a roommate. Hopefully your parents won't go looking for one. I have so enjoyed being alone. I've enjoyed this amazing time with God, and I have just had no desire to interrupt that with having somebody in here by, you know, I've just said, God has not given me the desire for it. Well, yesterday when I was praying for Stephen, all of a sudden I felt that desire rise up in me. And I'm like, whoa, you know, this is very interesting. So I just paid attention to the desire, knowing that things from emotions are not always God. I've had many things I've felt like that were good to do that were not of God. They were just my emotions. So I petitioned the Lord. And I said, Father, you know, what do you say of this? Am I supposed to help this man? And I was just real open and honest with the Lord about it. And I said, God, if you want me to help him, if you want me to disciple this brother, you know, you've given me all this, this knowledge of you and this wisdom and how to walk with you and talk with you. If you want me to help this man, God, you know that's what I'm all about is discipling people. And if you want me to open the door for him to move down here into, into my house, and Lord, you know I, I'll do that, Lord, if that's what you want me to do. Please just speak to me, God, because I don't want to get ahead of you. I want to be very careful not to get ahead of the Lord. Everybody knows that Michael doesn't barely breathe without asking the Father. Because not all good things are God things. There's lots of things the Bible says we should do, but that doesn't mean we should do it in every circumstance with every person. We must wait upon the Holy Spirit's guidance. Hence the reason why God's number one priority is relationship with Him. If all I did was said about, well, the Bible says go preach the gospel in all the world. That's what I'm going to do every day. I'm going to just be doing that. You never check in with God. You never hear what His personal will is for you. You're looking at His revealed will and saying that that is His personal will for you at all times, in all circumstances, in all places, with all people. And that is not the case. No, Paul, do not go to Asia. Yes, I know that I gave you a command to go into all the world, but I, the Holy Spirit, am telling you to sit still. I have a different plan for you. I know that you're not supposed to kill Abraham, but I'm telling you to go put that son of yours on the altar. There are times... Um, you know, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Okay? He's, here's a command. You must follow me. But then, in Mark chapter 5, he tells the, the Gerasian who he just set free from... Um, he just set, set the guy free from uh, the demons. And the, he, the, the Lord's getting in the boat, and he says, please, he begged him to go with him. He wanted to go with Jesus to follow him, and Jesus tells him, no. What? You're violating the command to follow you, Lord. It doesn't make any sense. You said anyone who comes to you must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow you. In this instance, Jesus tells him, no, don't follow me. Go back home. 
and tell all of your family all that the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And the Bible says, so he did that and all of the people were amazed. That sounds like the Lord's breaking his own commandment. I'm, you told me to follow you. You say I'm commanded to follow you. Anyone who doesn't take up his cross and follow you cannot be your disciple. Lord, I'm breaking your word by going. See, that's the reason why we have to be able to listen to the Holy Spirit and have a relationship with God. So, I've been waiting and uh, been praying about it. Last night, incidentally, was the night where God showed me this new number, 422. And I feel like God took me to Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 22. I will not enter the promised land, but you, you are about to enter into the promised land, to the, to, the, to the good land. And I felt like God was telling me that the time has come that I'm getting ready to enter into the promised land. I've been obedient for so long. God has given me some amazing promises. And I feel like God has told me I'm getting ready to move into the promised land. Good things are about to happen. And I was telling this with my friend Jennifer last night. I didn't say anything to her about Stephen. I didn't want to do anything to manipulate the circumstances. So I intentionally did not tell her that I had been given this desire to maybe reach out and help Stephen. So I'm sitting listening to her and, you know, she gets to the point where she's crying for this guy. You can tell this is beyond just a codependency. This woman is feeling this man's burden. And she said, you know, I don't know what to do for these people. She's got about seven friends that are all stuck. And I think Stephen's probably one of the worse off ones. And so she's like, I don't know if I'm supposed to buy a house. I've been thinking about buying a house to let these people move in. And I thought, my goodness, as soon as she said that, she doesn't realize that I'm living in one of those houses. I'm living in a house that my parents bought specifically for the purposes of helping people like me that are in this in-between stage or in ministry or to help them get back on their feet. That's exactly what my parents... So I knew as soon as she said that, I was like, wow. So I said, okay, let me tell you this. And I began to open up and tell her, I said, now, we're not going to get ahead of God on this, but I think I'd be willing to let him come and move it with me if, if God... I think I have a desire to do that if God is okay with this. If this is what God wants, I don't want to get in the way of pulling this man off of his cross but if this is what we're asked to do, we'll do this. So I've been praying this morning and just really seeking the Lord. And God, please speak to me. Give me a word. Give me a word, Lord. Help, you know, help me to know what your will is. And so this morning I walk into the kitchen to make breakfast. I look at the clock and it's 844. This is a number I've never seen before. But it's like instantly I know that's a number. Sometimes God will show me a number three times and I'll know that's the number. And sometimes I'll have a number and I'll, I'll, I'll see it once and I'll just know that that is a number. Like, like 422 I've been seeing a couple times and then I saw like three times yesterday. I see this 844. I reach into the refrigerator, get some stuff out, toast, put it on the toaster down, all that. A minute or so later I look over at the other clock. It's 844. So I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm going to look this up. So it's been, it's now 10.24. This was uh, a little over an hour, almost two hours ago, hour and 40 minutes ago. Exactly an hour and 40 minutes ago. I kind of moved on, did some Bible study stuff, sketching out some things about the gospel and all that. I decided it was time for me to sit down and start going through the scriptures and see if God would direct me to a scripture that would give me an answer about this. So... 8.44, I look down, I'm going through all the scriptures, no, 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 there's almost hardly any books, 8 chapters with 44 verses. So I go through almost all of them, I realize I've gone through the minor prophets, and I'm like, wow, there's nothing in here. All the way through the Old Testament, there's not a single scripture that even exists hardly, 8.44. I mean, so then all of a sudden I realize, wait a second, I skipped Psalm 84.4. And as I'm going through it, I just sense in my spirit... It's going to say something about house. I just sense before I even get there, like it would have to say something about a house. Uh, because that's what I'm talking about. You know, God will speak directly. I knew that it would be a direct word, something like that. I get to Psalm 84.4. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. And I was sitting here going, oh my goodness. God has spoken a word. Now this obviously... The context is of those who dwell in the house of God are ever praising you. But this is where God is customizing a scripture 
using a word to make exact specific meaning for a specific moment. And the, and the Holy Spirit gave me witness in my spirit before I even saw the scripture that it would have to do with the house. Because I'm asking him, shall I have this guy move in this house? Lord, I don't want to have anybody come in here that you don't want. I know the Lord has very strict plans for me. And I don't want to do anything that takes away from it, even if it's a good thing. It has to be a God thing. So now I'm truly believing this is a word from the Lord. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. And, um, you know, what I interpreted that to mean is that Stephen would come here and he would be so thankful to be here that he would be regularly probably saying that. uh, Thanks be to God because it's not us. It's not my parents. It's all God. So the fact of the matter is he'll be ever praising God living in this house. And uh, so I'm going to just wait just a little bit longer and make sure that this is confirmed word. But I um, I also had been directed to, oh, this scripture. I saw it this morning, 755. So I think that I may have already received enough confirmation. One of the scriptures God shows me all the time, one of the numbers God shows me all the time is the number 755, which points us to a passage in Job. I'm looking for the words right here. I've got so many numbers in here, I just kept, I just must have skipped right over it. There we go, Job 29. And when I saw these words, I was like, whoa, okay. Whoever heard me spoke well of me, and those who saw me commended me, because I rescued the poor who cried for help, and the fatherless who had none to assist him. He's fatherless. His parents are passed away. He has nobody to help him. I was the eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. I was a father to the needy. I took up the case of the stranger. The stranger. I broke the fangs of the wicked and snatched the victims from their teeth. You know, I just thought, he's like, I was like one who comforts mourners. And I thought, my goodness, those are the exact words uh, that speak to the spirit of what I'm praying about with this man. You know, and so, you know, I, I I feel a level of excitement in my spirit. It's amazing how the balance between God's word and peace. I have a... God's given me a desire. You know, people are so afraid of surrendering everything to God because <clears throat> they're afraid that they, that God will call them into something that will make them very uncomfortable or hurtful or painful. My experience has been with me personally and with what I've read in ministry books is that God gives the men and women the desire oftentimes to do through the Holy Spirit to do the things He's asking him to do. Sure, there's exceptions. We think of Jonah. We think of Moses. Who am I? You know, he's afraid to go and all that. But then we think of Paul. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. That was a desire that was beyond his conscious deciding or his conscious fears or his conscious desires or his conscious concerns. That was the power of the Holy Spirit in him, giving him joy to do that which God had called him to do. You know, he considered all things a loss for the sake of knowing Christ Jesus his Lord. And uh, anyhow, I have just discovered as I've read these stories that there's a passion that God puts in people that's bigger than them that drives them to do these things. And so it's a desire. You have a desire. And I knew yesterday when I was on the trail, I started having this desire to have Stephen as a roommate. I I don't even know the guy. I met him for 45 minutes one night. But I knew this was a supernatural desire that God was giving me this peace. Like, okay. God's changing something in my heart because I have had no desire and I've thanked God that nobody lives with me. And then I've often said, but Lord, you know, I don't want to be selfish. If you want somebody to be made available to live here, I'll do that, Lord. You know I will. So when God changed my heart, then this morning I started thinking, you know, what if God's going to bring him in here? The guy is a, uh, a musician. He's apparently a graphics artist and he knows how to work a camera, a photographer, And I thought, how many times have I prayed that God would send me somebody to help me in my ministry that could help me with the camera equipment or other things? Who's to say that this guy's not supposed to be a part of my ministry? 
that I'm not that 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 you know in the beginning maybe part of his you know rent is helping me with camera stuff and he gets to feel a sense of being used by God and perhaps God wants him to be used in this ministry perhaps God is going to bring him here not just to live here but to partner up with me and and for the sake of the gospel and I just started you know I don't want to get ahead of God and start planning all kinds of things but these thoughts just came to me and and I, it was a delightful thought so I am uh Pretty amazed here. God shows me 844. I know it's a word. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Wow. I'm going to wait just a little bit longer, but I think think the Lord, I'm going to continue to pray. I'm going to hit the trail, pray, memorize some scriptures. And uh, if the Lord doesn't shut this down, I feel like he's confirmed it twice. My reading in Isaiah, or in Job, and then uh, this Psalm 84, 4. Wow. To God be the glory. I feel like the Lord is really telling me that I'm getting ready to enter the promised land, that he's getting ready to say yes, and finally, well, he's already said yes, but I feel like he's finally getting ready to allow me to walk into the promises that he has given me. I am really been sensing this for a couple of weeks, just stronger and stronger and I have been seeing 801 a lot in fact I just uh, took a detour from my normal route to go get or head to the mountain I needed to get gas I pulled in to get gas and I just casually turned around at a car that's driving by and their license plate's 801 well I've been seeing that number several times a day every day for the last week and that scripture is Deuteronomy 801, which says, Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. And then it goes on to tell the story of, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep His commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, with which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that every man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Your clothes didn't wear out, your feet didn't swell. He says, Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. And it talks about observing all of his commands, that it may go well with you, and remember that when God gives you wealth, remember that it was his power that gave your hand the ability to make that wealth. In other words, don't forget the Lord. If you do forget Him, He's going to forget you, basically, and you will surely die in the land. And I think, obviously, that's a a good warning still today. If God were to prosper anybody and they were to forget where it came from, if they were to try to rise their self above uh, the God who gave them that, and they be lose gratitude and thanksgiving, I think that that could quickly, you could begin to... To, to trust in your position, your influence, your riches, your fortune, whatever it is. And I feel like God has really been warning me and getting me in this mindset of don't forget where you've come from. Don't forget this testing. And praise God, I, I pray with His help, I will not. That I've made so many recordings that will allow me to not forget where I've been. If I ever start feeling a little too confident in myself or in my resources, I can go back and listen to what the Lord brought me through and was with me in. And, uh, you know, I don't know, that's very, very exciting. And then I got in the car and left the gas station, the first car on the left, 777. I've been seeing that now, again, every day. And that has to do with when an earthly court can bring no justice, God is the ultimate executor of justice. To me, that has to do with my children. It possibly has something to do with Laura as well. And, of course, I made a message this morning, and it ended in 2 minutes and 12 seconds. 422 last night, God saying, you are about to enter the promised land. Um, you know, so my mom had a, a real strong sense that when she was praying that 2015 was going to be a radically different year for me, that this was going to be the year that God changes my life dramatically. Uh, I mean, my mom can run hot and cold on some of the things I say, but... I felt that was sincere what she said and I, that was right in line with what I've been um, believing God for and uh, 
I don't know. I'm very excited. I just want to capture this, but I'm very calm. I'm very enthusiastic about what God's doing, but there's a sense of, yes, this is what God's going to do because this is what God has said He was going to do. And again, I don't know what it looks like, but I'm very excited. And uh, incidentally, there's a 655 on one side of the road and a 777 on the other. And 655 is one of those promises where I will declare that all of God's promises were true. I gotta, I gotta look up that scripture real quick. I actually, you know, I think that was the one that says that um, Manasseh, then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. I think that's the scripture. Let's see if I can find it. Yeah, in his distress. He sought the favor of the Lord as God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. And when he prayed to him, the Lord was moved by his entreaty and listened to his plea and so brought him back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord is God. I feel like the Lord has showed me that scripture so many times to remind me that The day is coming when I'm going to know that I know that I know through experience, not just through faith and because I'm believing Him and His words. There comes a day when we all believe for something that we see happen. You get out of the boat and you can stand on the water. That's another kind of faith than the people who believe sitting in the boat they can walk on water. Uh, So, very, very, very interesting. I'm very very much looking forward to seeing what God is going to do. I had a good conversation with my parents yesterday and I was finally able to express my um, disappointment with their reception of me that night. They were reading my email and my mom said, I did just get up from a nap and said, you know, and they said they felt like they saw hate in my eyes towards the church. And I said, guys, you did. You see that I'm hating the evil. I said, look at what the Bible says that, you know, to love the Lord is to hate evil. And I said, you know, There's something else I haven't told you. And I told them that I had been on the mountain, coming down off the mountain, and all of a sudden I was tormented with these thoughts that I was going to be attacked and raped by these men in the woods. I mean, just it would not go away, such that I had to prepare myself. What if this were to happen? And then that night I realized that 70% of all Catholic clergy are estimated to be homosexuals. And I thought, look at the spirit behind that church that I'm pushing in on that's turning around and attacking me. So I explained all that to them, but I I realized I was set up. I was cut off guard. I could have responded in kindness. I have, there's a difference in not being tolerant of evil and doing it in a way that, in other words, there's definitely a time to flip over change tables. I got to find the balance in this. I don't think I should have flipped them over maybe in that mood or whatever my temperament was for my parents because I have written in my Bible here, listen to these words. It says, Who, who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good? This is in First or uh, yeah, First Peter 3, 5, 13. Who's going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer for everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. So I have in my Bible, if we answer in kind, they feel no remorse. Somebody says something hateful and I say something hateful back, then they feel almost justified. But if I say it in kindness, and I really want to find the balance between flipping over change tables and being gentle and respectful. And I think this is definitely something that I can do better at. I feel very much gentle and respectful with sinners. Very much. But towards evil, I feel like I'm quick quicker in having conversations with people that call themselves Christians to, you know, we we can't just believe that. We can't just say we believe we're a Christian and then act like the devil. So I may say it like that, and that comes off as not being so gentle. It is a passion in me. Like, even when I say that, it feels like, yes, this is right. (laughs) There is just this passion in me 
that zeal inside of me, as the Bible says of the disciples remembered about Jesus, zeal burns in me for your house, O oh God. So, I definitely feel like I could work on being more gentle and more respectful. But at the same time, I don't want to rob God of the hammer that He's placed in me. There's definitely a time for a people like a Martin Luther or an A.W. Tozer who come out and they're, they're much stronger. And they are, they're not this sweet little, you know, you should consider maybe thinking about it like this. I mean, I desperately want to be what God wants me to be. But I also see that our church is in such a crisis. They're so shallow in their faith. They're so carnal in their Christianity. They're so worldly that the church, bless its heart, it does need to be kicked around a little bit. I mean, I, I think if Jesus Christ came back right now, he would he would not be... He would be gentle to sinners, but he would not be so gentle to the church. I think he would be deeply hurt and offended. And Well, he wouldn't be offended because he already knew this happened. But he would be deeply indignant towards what he sees going on in the church today, of what we call church even. I mean, anyhow, all thoughts to keep thinking about, but I definitely want to be more gentle but then I think to myself, but Michael, you already are with sinners. I'm very gentle. I don't talk like that. With, but when I'm defending the truth, man, and somebody is saying that what the truth, when I when somebody's saying the truth is not the truth or I'm being too black and white about the truth, meaning I'm standing too firm on that that is the truth, man, that, that, that rises up in me a spirit of, no, that is wrong. There is black and white. The whole Bible is black and white, good or evil. Dark or light, sons of God, sons of the devil. I mean, it, it is so, so, so clear. And um, I don't know, i got to just pray about this more. Wow, this is cool. I've had a really kind of a rough, tired day today. I woke up five times last night. Uh, just weird. Not staying up, but woke up, went back to sleep. I don't know how that was happening, but... Moved the studio this morning from the living room into that spare bedroom, and then I had to lay down and take a nap, and I've got a headache. My sinuses are rolling pretty good today. I mean that negatively. And I saw a 919 this morning, and I'm kind of like, Lord, what are you what are you telling me? Does that have to do with the studio, moving the studio, doing a video? Does it have to do with this, this roommate situation? You know, what does it have to do with? I never really felt I heard... And then I'm driving down the road just now, and I see a 722 while I'm on my way to work on a video for tomorrow. And I'm like, Lord, and I have started praying, Father, what is exactly are you telling me to make sure that I obey you in, Lord? What is it exactly that you want me to do? I said, is it something that I'm already ahead of you on? Go ahead. Something I'm already ahead of you on, Father? Is it something that you're? it's in the future you're telling me to be very careful to obey you in? You know, Lord, please make it clear to me. And I'm, I literally, I hadn't had 30 seconds finished praying. I look over the next car, 701, store up my commands. In other words, the Lord is telling me to keep storing up the commands. He's not letting me get away. And, you know, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful, very thankful that God has uh, given me that clear word. I didn't bring the right book, but maybe when I get a little bit of coffee here, I'll be able to... Um, um, get enough energy to do that. I've decided that uh, I'm going to go ahead and leave the Starbucks since I now know that the Lord is telling me to obey Him in these teachings and to memorize them. I started realizing, you know, I can't really memorize Scripture sitting in a Starbucks. So, it's 319. I just got myself all cleaned up took a shower, wanted to get out of the house for a little bit. I mean, I guess I could, I don't know. I'm still so tired. I just don't feel good. I guess I'm going to probably just have to go back home. Maybe I need to get on the exercise bike. I just took a shower, put my clothes on, wanted to get out of the house for a little bit. And um, now I'm not going to be able to. I just feel that it's important that I absolutely obey God, even in this small, seemingly small little thing, small little way. I need to obey Him and uh, trust that He'll help me to have some energy to memorize some scriptures. 
This is funny. 30 seconds ago, I finished that last recording about leaving Starbucks. I turn left out here onto um, Airport Road. I pull up to Chateau Drive, and there's a car sitting in the turning lane. <laughs> the license plate is 811. <laughs> so here's what the message is from the Lord, praise God, in the last three minutes, basically. Be very careful to obey all that I'm commanding you that it may go well with you. Keep my words, my son. Store up the commands in your heart, my commands in your heart. Finish the work which you began so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it. And the truth is, I have not completed it. I have almost, but I've been saying almost for a while. And here the Lord is telling me to finish it. I mean, it's incredible. I so am thankful. I told the Father on the way here, I said, Lord, I met your mercy, God. Please guide me. I don't feel good today. And I want to do what you're asking me to do. And, you know, who knows what the Lord may have just been saving me from, from somebody I may see or meet in the Starbucks that, you know, you just never can tell. And uh, knowing that I'm very tired. And so I'm just going to trust God's guiding me. I'm going to go get me a Dunkin' Donuts coffee. And... Uh, Maybe just go back and sit on back porch at the house and try and memorize. And just, I think I still sometimes get a little overwhelmed wanting to swallow too much of the scripture at one time instead of just being willing to nail one and then move on to the next and then rehearse that one and nail one and move on to the next. Sometimes I'm wanting to do this one, do this one, do this one, do this one. So, Anyhow, it definitely feels good to obey God. There's no doubt about it. It feels good. Even when I don't, which I definitely do not right now, it feels good to obey God. It's 5.05 in the morning on January 22nd, 2015, and I just wanted to capture this thought. I Usually when I wake up in the morning or when I go to bed at night, um, sometimes my thoughts can be easier uh, to be negative, particularly when I go to bed late at night. Um... But sometimes when I wake up first thing in the morning, you know, my brain is still not woken up and all that. But I was just um, realizing that I woke up thinking about the children this morning and realizing today's the 22nd. My son's birthday was on the 13th. And I've only got to talk to him one time on the 14th. I've texted every day since then so that I can enjoy hearing that he received my gift and the letter. And I've now sent the children another letter five-pager, and I'm waiting to see if they've gotten that, and I've called every day, and of course, this has been going on for months where it'll be weeks and weeks and weeks before I get a chance to even talk to my kids sometimes, and um, I was thinking about, I just had this thought in my head of sending texts saying, you know, what would happen if the court found out that you've alienated these children like this from me in such a you know, such a bad way. And there's that temptation to want to remind her and to, you know, try to heavy hand her a little bit to let her let up so that I can talk to my children. And then in that very moment, I, th I put the focus on that. I began to lose my peace. And the Holy Spirit reminds me, ah, 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 put your focus back on me. And in that moment, as I was putting on my clothes this morning, I was, re I reminded myself, God is completely sovereign God is completely in control of all of the evil, all of the blessings in my life. Because I fear Him, He is directing my steps. And I can trust that no matter what's in my life, He is allowing it. If I'm doing the best I can to obey Him, it's there. And I can trust that when He's ready and when He's done, He will turn the situation around. But it reminded me of how important it is to remind people of the need to learn to focus on God. There was a bird that flew over my head this morning that said, you should focus on how evil your ex-wife is treating you, and you should focus on how you can manipulate that circumstance by pushing a pin in her side a little bit and reminding her of how wrong she is so that she is now convinced to let you talk to the children. That would be me being God in my life. That's me manipulating the circumstances. That's me trying to take matters in my own hand. And this is what most of us are taught and trained to do our whole life. So this way of behaving is complete opposite of the way the world acts. And if you want the world's results, you act the way the world works. If you want God's results, you act the way God acts. And God asks us to 
Wait upon him. You know, anyone who hopes in him will not be put to shame. All who wait upon the Lord will not be put to shame. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and I am helped. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is him. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. These are all... Plus, the desire of the righteous ends only in good, Proverbs 11.23. And what the righteous desire will be granted, Proverbs 10.24. And you will know that I am the Lord. Those who hopefully wait for me will not be put to shame, Isaiah 49.23. So anyhow, just a reminder of the need to keep the focus on the Lord. This is so awesome. That last recording I made about focusing on and waiting upon and trusting in the Lord was 3 minutes and 55 seconds, and I thought, huh, that's a number, but I don't remember what it is. I looked it up. It's Lamentations 3.55. I called on your name, O Lord, from the depths of the pit. You heard my plea. Do not close your ears to my cry for relief. You came near when I called you, and you said, Do not fear. O Lord, you took up my case. You redeemed my life. You have seen, O Lord, the wrong done to me. Uphold my cause. You have seen the depth of their vengeance, all their plots against me. O Lord, you have heard their insults, all their plots against me. What my enemies whisper and mutter against me all day long. Look at them, sitting or standing. They mock me in their songs. Pay them back what they deserve, O Lord, for what their hands have done. Put a veil over their hearts and may your curse be on them and of course I stopped at verse 60 because in a new te- as a New Testament spirit filled Christian who's called to love my enemies I can no longer ask that the Lord break you know the chins of my enemy or put a veil over their hearts I on the contrary ask for mercy for them, for them but that is exactly the message not looking at my own strength not trusting myself trusting in the Lord thank you God I just left a long meeting with Bobby Junkin at Starbucks University Drive and one of the things that I shared with him was that I believed God was telling me that I was about to enter into the promised land. I said because of a new number he'd been showing me. He said, well, how do you know when he's showing you a new number? And so I told him about how God had showed me the 422 number three times in a day and you pay attention to it. So I get in the car after we're done, I leave. I drive approximately a block and a half away from the Starbucks car right in front of me license plate 422 right after we had just talked about it praise god this is awesome it's 424 on january 22nd 2015 i'm pretty good ways into the woods maybe three quarters of a mile i can't go much further uh maybe a mile um and i was just praying i've had my phone turned off and i'm praying god Are you really telling me that I'm about ready to walk into the promised land? Is that what you're telling me? I began to inquire. You know, Lord, is this 422 you're showing me, which incidentally I just made a recording about, um, about an hour ago after having talked about it with my friend Bobby Junkin at Starbucks. Then we leave the Starbucks and the very first car I see, very first number, 422. I praise God. So here I am walking in these woods. And as I'm doing so, I've got my phone turned on airplane mode so no distractions but I'm losing daylight and I'm starting to go hmm I need to check my time so I see about how much daylight I have left because I don't have a flashlight other than my phone and it's starting to get dark I stop I pull my phone out what time is it 4:22. right while I'm praying God am I really getting ready to walk into the promised land this is how God confirms for me Words like this, where he makes it so abundantly clear to me. You know, I'm fighting with everything I have to obey the Father. I live separated from the world as, a, as an alien in a strange land. I, I choose to deny myself. I choose to set myself apart from the world. And I sacrifice the world to myself. Meaning, I don't live for the here and now. I keep my mind on things above. I keep trusting the Lord. I keep... I have by by no means have I achieved perfection in my ability to, you know, be diligent in every little matter and organized. I still have weaknesses. I'm not the most organized person. I have a hard time focusing. 
but I'm living a pure of heart. I'm living pure in heart. I'm not walking in any known lifestyle sin. I'm continuing to grow and continuing to trust God and ask Him to help me. And if I ever feel a hint of this or of that, I, I, I confess it and say, Lord, help me with that. And I have made it my habit to run to the Father of literally about everything. If it has anything to do with something more significant than me tying my shoes or making bread, breakfast, eggs, and toast in the morning, I pray about it and I seek the Lord's face on it. And uh, so, <clears throat> I just, I, I, I have been telling my friends and uh, Bobby and my friend Jennifer and my parents for a couple of weeks that I've been feeling like God has been telling me that I'm getting ready to walk into the promised land, that something awesome is going to happen. I'm so, so hopeful for that and believe that what God is telling me is true and He's showing me all these scriptures. 722, be very careful to obey all that I command you that it may go well with you. 801, be sure to obey all the commands I'm giving you today so that you may enter and dwell in the land, the good land that I'm about to give you. And then here it is, this 422, you are about to enter the good land. All of these scriptures that God is showing me have to do with me being very careful to obey. And just before I saw the 422, I was praying and I said, Lord, is the reason why you're telling me this in advance? Because just like with the Israelites, you, you told them and then you wanted to make sure that they knew where this was coming from. And you also want to prep them to remind them that when this happens, to remember who got you there and who you need to continue to remember and obey while you're there. And that's what I felt like the Spirit was telling me is that that's why God tells you these things in advance. That's why He'll tell you about a blessing in advance. If you're a true follower of God, who is the man who fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way chosen for him. He confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. Psalm 25, 12, and 14. So God is speaking to me, letting me know. Jesus says, I tell you these things before they happen so that when they happen, you will believe. God wants to get credit for it. I mean, there's so many people, had I not been making these kind of recordings where I'm telling you, God is telling me I'm getting ready to walk into the promised land. There'd be so many people who would say, oh, it's just coincidence. Or, oh, it was just about time. I mean, after you put so many seeds in the ground, something's going to grow. Uh, you're about to have a good, good win here and there. No, and that's people wanting to give God's glory to fate. Or worse, to humanistic effort. So, man, I just bless God for that. That is wonderful. I'm just, it makes me feel so humbled. He hasn't told me, um, you know, when that's going to happen. But it, it seems to me like as I prayed, I just thought February. February popped in my mind. And I was thinking, you know, February 12th. And obviously I've thought about that day. That's 2-12. I thought, man, my goodness, how awesome would that be if God would allow me to meet Laura on that day? Well, you talk about a way to help Laura know God's in this. And then, as it turns out this morning, I didn't even think about that until my meeting with Shattered Magazine has been rescheduled. It was supposed to be tomorrow, and they need to reschedule it for the 13th. She said, they're just not ready for me yet. I thought about that the day after 212. I'll leave the results to God, but I'm going to go back and pray, and I'm asking the Lord if He'll let me know, when is this going to happen? Like I say, I felt like February popped in my mind. And all I know is that whenever I meet Laura and she says, Yes, Michael, I'll finally have coffee with you. That is when I begin to walk into the promised land. Michael commentary. It makes me praise the Lord when I hear all that I'm hearing. But in particular, you hear me mentioning all these numbers. God telling me I'm going to enter in and possess the promised land. And for those of you who've already seen walking with God into the impossible, the story of how God put Persis and I together, you'll recall God doing the exact same thing, showing me these 422s all over the place. Every time we were to take new ground in victory, I mean, it's incredible, absolutely incredible. And I've just mentioned, and of course, I don't remember this, and I'm asking the Lord, you know, when is this going to happen? And I say, and just comes right into my heart, February. Well, guess what? I'm hoping it's going to be this following February, you know, being January 2015 when this recording's made. But isn't it just astonishing to know 
that it is going to be February, but it's going to be February of 2016, and it is going to be on the 12th, which is 212, the very day God is going to tell me to move forward in faith, to buy plane tickets, and to do what is necessary in order to go to India and marry Persis. And incidentally, that's going to turn out to be the very day that we buy Persis's wedding ring. How incredible is that for me to go back and think about this? Everything God is telling me is going to come true. And also, let me tell you, God has a lot in the promised land for me that is spiritual that's going to happen. 2015 is indeed going to be the greatest year of my life so far. And I can't wait for you to get through it and hear it. God is going to begin to really abundantly bless and pour out. God is going to begin to, at one point, promote the ministry. God is going to bless me with a time of such an outpouring of his Holy Spirit in my heart that I think I can't stand it. God is going to introduce me to the desire of my heart in 2015, Persis, and there's probably all kinds of other things I have forgotten, but the Lord is indeed going to bless me, and 2015 is going to be that incredible year, just as my mom had said, that she felt in prayer God was showing her that God is going to completely change my life in 2015, and believe me when I tell you, everything God has said is actually going to happen. Continue to listen, and may the Lord bless you as you do. End of commentary.